0: From hunting insights to science based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing.
1: everybody. Welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. Joining me today is Will Brantley. Will, how's it going, man? Welcome to the new podcast. Jennings, it's good, man. It's good talking to you. Now, Will is the hunting editor of Field and Stream. He's also the editor of RealtreeOutdoors.com. And Will also used to work for Ducks Unlimited magazine. So Will and I have known each other uh, for quite some time. Also, we have... Also been on some adventures all across the, basically all across North America, several from Louisiana to Saskatchewan. We have uh, hunted ducks together and, and hung out and had good times, but uh, I wanted to bring Will on here today. And really, you know, he wrote a piece for Ducks Unlimited Magazine last year called Divers the Hard Way. And it's really, you know, it's a really in tune diving duck hunting piece, but really, you know, it's kind of how he basically the conversation that we're going to have is really how he hunts on Kentucky Lake. And then we're going to kind of probably drift into some random uh, conversations that we always do. Um, But we'll, you know, the first thing that I like to do with everyone who comes on the show for the first time is really kind of introduce yourself to our audience, just who you are, what you do, how you got into hunting. And I know we've talked offline before we started this thing. You, You kind of drifted out of duck hunting for a little while for a reason, but, you know, maybe you're getting... Back in, but um, I think it's just a really cool conversation to have. So, you know, really just kind of introduce yourself to our audience.
3: All right. Well, um, all that uh, all that wind up there, Jennings, was like a long way of saying you and I are starting to get a little bit old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I uh, uh, I live in Western Kentucky and have lived here all my life except for the two years that my wife Michelle and I lived down in Memphis whenever I did work for Ducks Unlimited, and that's been uh, that's been a minute ago now. But um, but you know we it was, it was time that, you know, we, we looked back and it, it was a really good time. We, we enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed working for the organization and, uh, you know, and, and we enjoyed living in Memphis and doing some of the things down there, but, you know, ultimately Western Kentucky was, was home for us. So, yeah, I mean, that's where I grew up. Not a real big, uh, you know, not a real big waterfowling epicenter, uh, especially, you know, I live kind of right on Kentucky like right now and the duck hunting here can be decent, but I grew up Actually, about an hour and a half northeast of here, around uh, Dawson Springs, and um, it, it was pretty slim pickings around there. You know, on the duck and goose front, we did have, you know, there were some beaver sloughs and creeks and things. And um, but I mean, I, I didn't. I hunted everything there was to to hunt really around there when I was a kid. I was always really into it. But my dad was a big quail hunter, and uh, and that's kind of what I grew up doing. You know, on the shotgun sport front, you know, we we quail hunted. we we dove, you know, dove hunted and stuff too. But I, I think I was in high school uh, when some buddies and I decided that we wanted to get into, you know, wanted to try to get into duck hunting. And, um, you know, we, you know, some of the creeks had gotten out and we'd seen some ducks, you know, in farmer's fields and things. And that's kind of how I first started dabbling in it. And I remember... You know, my dad did have like a dozen old duck decoys and we'd, uh, we'd load them up in like a horse feed sack and take them out there and, and uh, and hunt. And, you know, we killed a duck here or there, but I, I really got into it and, and started getting into the style of duck hunting that I enjoy now, uh, whenever I came to college at, at Murray state university, And it was a good place to, you know, to, uh, to be, if you like to hunt and fish, like say it was right here next to Kentucky Lake and land between the lakes and, um, and so, you know, the the deer hunting was good and the and the fishing was good and the turkey hunting was pretty good. But that's where I started, uh, you know, I guess that's probably where I saw my first diving ducks, you know, back then there were a lot of a lot of, uh, of buffleheads and bluebills in particular that uh, that came in here and I got to know uh some, you know, some local folks around here who were a little bit older than me. They were, you know, they were out of college, but you know, still pretty young, you know, early 20s and started kind of palling around with them a little bit and you know the first diver spreads we made were uh, with old mallard decoys that we that we spray painted black and white, and um, man, we we shot a lot of ducks off those things. We used to have like a little uh, a little two man scamp. Uh, uh, on you know bass boat that we would take and and pile that thing up with our you know with our makeshift diver decoys and put a trolling motor on the back of it and uh, you know and we'd hunt you know points that were you know stuff that was close to shore that we wouldn't have to get out on the open water and uh, and and like I say we we shot a lot of ducks back in those days and uh, we shot divers uh, but you know back in those days I mean you know close to 20 years ago now i mean kentucky lake had a lot of there was a lot of uh, aquatic vegetation on the lake that's really hadn't been there in quite a few years but um and you'd get a lot of puddle ducks there especially early in the season a lot of gadwalls and a lot of teal and uh some mallards it, you know really just kind of a mixed bag of everything a lot of wedging yeah that's kind of i guess really like where i cut my teeth you know learning to you know learning to set decoys and call. And, um, then, you know, as I got out of school and, you know, got my first job, I mean, one of the first things that, uh, you know, that I bought was a, was a boat and started learning a little bit about, you know, running that, that big water. And, uh, again, like I had older, you know, friends who were, you know, who were really mentors that, you know, that taught me a lot of that stuff and, you know, kind of taught me the the rules of the road, so to speak, you know, out there on that big water. And we kind of graduated to hunting, you know islands and things and running and freelancing and I just fell in love with that style of of hunting you know that that you know open water public land style of hunting which of course is you know best in the in the winter time and uh you know and that's that's kind of kind of my duck hunting background and then um you know uh, a few years after I graduated college I I started out and I always wanted to be an outdoor rider um and I've I've majored in journalism whenever I went to Murray State kind of with with that plan and um had some good opportunities <clears throat> when I was in school I, I did an internship for two summers actually for Outdoor Life magazine and did a uh, couple of uh, outdoor columns one for the the collegiate newspaper the Murray State News and one for my hometown newspaper the Dawson Springs Progress and started freelancing a little bit here and there and um during that time, I actually met uh, I met Wade Born. I, I was
1: getting ready to mention. I was going to say, you know, you were really yeah. tied into Wade Born, pretty close. Yep, with him. yep.
3: And so I, I was. So Wade lived in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is about forty five minutes from where I live right now. You know, I live right on the on the Tennessee Kentucky state line. And you know, I had grown up watching Wade on TV. I mean, Southern Outdoors, um was, you know, and, and you know, of course he was he was host of, of Ducks Unlimited TV and um, you know, and I read his articles and I, and I knew he was in my area, but I mean to me like when I was a kid thinking of what I wanted to be when I grew up, like Wade was, was the iconic guy, you know, the, he was the outdoor rider. He was the video guy. He was the guy that just lived the life. And, and you could just tell, you know, like Wade was passionate about all of it. He, he loved to deer hunt. He loved to duck hunt. He loved to turkey hunt and fish. And, um, and he was just, you know, kind of the, the guy that I looked up to. And I, I remember I was sitting in a cubicle in New York city, uh, like I think I was, Nineteen years old, and was at the the Outdoor Life offices, and that was at they were at Two Park Avenue in in Manhattan at the time. That's a long and, uh, that's a
1: long way from Murray.
3: Man, is a long ways from Dawson Springs, Kentucky. Right. I'll tell you. Uh, and uh, but anyway, I was sitting in a cubicle, probably fact checking an article. You know, like back then, you know, they would uh, they ran a lot of phone numbers in articles back then. You know, and I mean, obviously, online articles now run a lot of run a lot of hyperlinks, but back then, I mean, there were phone numbers to companies and hunting guides and fishing guides and you know products that were mentioned like you know they didn't really tease websites so much as they ran the company's phone numbers and one of my main jobs as an intern was to call and check those phone numbers be sure they were you know accurate like not going to you know an adult hotline or something yeah. so uh, I sat there as an intern you know making these phone calls all the time you know and it was pretty mundane work but I mean you know is for outdoor life, you know. So anyway, learning the ropes of the magazine like that, sitting in this cubicle, and you know there were guests and stuff coming in and out of the out of the offices at times, and I remember hearing Wade Bourne's voice. Of course, Wade had a you know pretty loud you know, powerful voice, but I mean, he just unmistakable. I mean, he was a radio guy. You knew when you were, when it was Wade talking, I mean, you could hear him from the other side of a building, you know what I mean? And, uh, I remember hearing Wade's voice in, you know, in the Outdoor Life's office and, uh, and I was like, man, that, that is Wade born. And sure enough, he and, he and Becky come around the, come around the corner. Well, Wade was, really good friends and colleagues with Colin Moore, who was the executive editor of Outdoor Life at the time. And Colin was actually from Kentucky. And he's the one who kind of coordinated my internship with me. And so I met Wade there in that office. And, um, you know, just, I, you know, I was I was star stricken um, when I met him. But I mean, he was just such a nice guy and so generous and was really interested in the fact that <clears throat> I was from his general area and was up there in New York, you know, trying to learn the ropes and wanted to be an outdoor rider. And, you know, Wade really took me under his wing, um, and was very, you know, um, went out of his way really to try to help me, uh, when I was young, you know, let me know of opportunities and things and, you know, would, uh, I mean, in in this business, a lot of times it's, you know, it's, it's who you know. Um, I mean, it's an outdoor business is pretty small and Wade would pass my name along and, um, you know, after a few years out of college, he passed my name along to Tom Fulgem, who was the editor of Ducks Unlimited Magazine at the time. Uh, they were looking to hire an associate editor, and um, yeah, Wade actually called me and asked if I would be interested in applying for that. And, and of course, I was, and that's uh, that's how I ended up at, at DU for a couple of years. That's really
1: funny, and I've I've told you this story before, but our timelines are, are very similar, and it's it's actually funny hearing you say that because I actually applied for that position, the associate editor position for Ducks Unlimited Magazine. And that would have been in like 2007. Is that right? Is that 2000? 2000, yep. Maybe 2008, yep. right around in there. And I got the phone call from Tom Fulgem. except my phone call from Tom Fulgem was, you did not get the p- position. Because <laughs> 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 you did. <laughs> so it's actually really funny hearing you say that because you got the position, but then he was like, hey, you know, Tom was great magazine editor. Awesome. And he's like, hey, uh, you did not get the position, but I'm going to pass your name along to someone else in our communications department. And so I ended up getting hired as a communications specialist in the PR side of things. Um, and you were the associate editor. So we kind of started up pretty close to the same time, but we were both applying for the same position. I find that just to be hilarious how it kind of, how it all comes (laughs) together. It's it's pretty funny.
3: That's great. And, you know, and those were, those were a good time. And we had a lot of fun. I mean, you and I both were pretty young guys and uh, gosh, we, you know, the, the waterfowl hunter parties were, were a new thing back then. And I remember putting together the the crawfish boil there in in Memphis and, and doing those parties and, Hanging out. And, and it was just a, you know, it, it was a, I, I always tell folks, I mean, they're a, a DU was a, was a great company to work for, a great brand to work for. And, um, and then of course, Tom uh, was an awesome magazine editor. Mm-hmm. He definitely wasn't an easy magazine editor, <laughs> no. you know, and uh, I mean, he was pretty, uh, pretty rigid, but man, he was a hundred percent fair. And um, he, you know, he was one of the, one of the guys, you know, I, I, I can think of a few magazine editors, you know a couple of guys at field and stream and, uh, and actually a, uh, a writing professor that I had in college and Tom Folom are you know folks that I look to who really helped me improve my writing you know I can really look at that and say yeah you know they were they, they were kind of tough to you know kind of tough to work under you know you sort of felt under the gun but uh, man it was it was you know it's kind of a tough love sort of thing they were
1: really good at what they did yeah no Tom was definitely one of those people when you turn something in an article like you were nervous yeah you know because yeah. there's there's a chance that he's going to tell you like this is awful, <laughs> like oh gosh, yeah. like this is bad, you know, like oh yeah. god. Yeah. You, you like send it to him, and then you're like holding your breath, like waiting. So yeah, no, I totally get that. I'm totally here. Yeah, we, you and I have had some some pretty good adventures as well. I mean, I think we did uh, we did a Canada trip. Man, gosh, that would have been probably 2010. It was right after you left DU. Yep. And we did that Canada trip where I don't think we'll, I'll, I know, I doubt I'll ever experience that same thing where you and I were on a little pothole and we realized that there were just thousands of canvas backs coming in on us. And you're, you looked at me and you're like, we're going to shoot our canvasbacks backs today. And by gosh, yep. we did. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Man, it, was a,
3: it was a great hunt. um I had, you know, it was one of the more enjoyable waterfowl hunts, you know, trips that I've been on. And, and I, and I think, a lot of what made that one so much fun was we were kind of left our own devices, you know, cause we went up there really, I think that, you know, I think the outfitter was kind of a, kind of a snow goose. He a goose guy, yeah. And in, in, in hunting fields. And man, it was just torrential rain to the point where we, you know, we, we, it basically canned our whole, you know, our plans for the whole week. I mean, we couldn't get a vehicle into a field, but there are all these little du projects, you know, all these little wetlands around, and, you know, after about a day of sitting in the lodge, you know, drinking beer and talking, I, I think we kind of just got sick it. we're like, hey, can we... Get some duck decoys and go hunt these these potholes. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, you can try." He had and, he um, had
1: about ten decoys.
3: He Had about ten decoys. <laughs> <Yeah>. And uh, <laughs> man, we uh, those potholes were really good. And yeah, just full of canvasbacks, canvasbacks, and gadwalls. Yeah. I think those that was the that was the flavor of the trip. And, and it was just a lot of fun. We shot those ducks in the
1: pouring down rain. Yeah, so. no, that was a good one for sure. I'll, I'll never forget that. I think we uh, I think we both shot our our canvasbacks, and we're just like, this is unbelievable. Like literally unbelievable like there's so many ducks it was very you know kind of one of those like you said it's just one of those trips where you look back on it like man i don't i don't know if i'll ever be able to do that again in the same capacity you know it's just very interesting for sure
0: stay tuned to the ducks unlimited podcast sponsored by purina pro plan after these messages
1: I got you on here to talk about the diving ducks thing and you kind of touched on it. But I think one thing you touched on there in on Kentucky, Kentucky Lake is fantastic. If anyone's never been there, like you're missing out. But one thing about Kentucky Lake, that's big water. That's dangerous water. Is that something that, you know, when you kind of look back on you're getting your start? Like you mentioned, you're doing like a two-man bass boat, those little <laughs> those little plastic things like do you kinda look back on that like dang, like we were we were pushing it there a little bit and then then you moved into a bigger boat and you're probably much better off. But just when you started out I mean did you you kind of look back on that like dang like we were we were doing some pretty dangerous things because that's dangerous hunting up there yeah it, it um,
3: I think back on it pretty often, you know, especially now that I'm a dad, as a matter of fact, I think the last time that I was on Kentucky Lake, uh, duck hunting with a buddy, you know, we got ready to head back to shore and, you know, we kind of looked at each other and both, you know, grabbed life jackets and, and put them on. And, you know, when I was in my twenties, I would have never let my buddies see me do that, you <laughs> yeah. know? And I mean, it's, it's nothing but pure pickheadedness headedness. But, um, but I remember my buddy was like, yeah, you know, uh, I'm not too tough to die anymore. So, yep. you know, I mean, seriously I mean it is a, it's like any big water. I mean, it's it's extremely dangerous in the wintertime. When the duck hunting is at its best, you basically have to think of a, you know, a a 30-foot deep windswept river um, that's, you know, a mile wide, uh, you know, and it's 20 degrees outside or colder. I mean, you basically have to think of that as like, if you go in, it's like lava. Um, You know, you have a, uh, I mean, not quite like lava, but you have a very real chance of not surviving that. And I mean, year after year after year, um, every year, I mean, there are tragic stories of duck hunters who drown on that lake. Same as you know, like I say, any other big waterway. I mean, the Mississippi River, or, or you know, even at, you know, out west, the Columbia River. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of pretty tragic stories. And I mean, with duck hunting in particular, you end up with small boats uh, with a lot of people and a lot of decoys mm, and dogs and. Yeah want a lot of gear they're they're overloaded and you want to be out there on the most inclement days and uh you know Kentucky Lake in particular you know I mean of course it's an impoundment of the Tennessee River and then I mean the same goes for Lake Barkley which is right there next to it. it's an impoundment of the Cumberland River but you know those lakes run almost due north and south and um <laughs> you know the the days that you want a duck hunt um with a good risk north wind you know that 15 mile an hour north wind it doesn't take much of a north or south wind to get those lakes really rough in a in a hurry um because they you know they just have a lot of room for those waves to build and then because they are impoundments you know it's not like it's just the areas that you want to duck on it's not like it's just straight river channel you know they're they're sandbars and and sunken islands and sunken houses and just a lot of stuff that you can hit. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think back about us, you know, wading around some of those points, you know, that were uh, up to the tops of our chest waders and using a little bass boat, you know, the little plastic bass boats and things, um, you know, and trying to, fishing diver decoys with long sticks and, uh, you know, and chasing, you know, wounded blue bills that are diving on us and trying to, you know, chase them down with a trail of motor. And I, it's, it's a wonder I'm alive, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, after, after doing some of that, but you know, that is part of the, you know, I think that's part of the allure of, of diver hunting too, you know, is that, that little bit of adventure that goes with it. Um, you know, that, that big water stuff. And I mean, man, there's, um, you know, the layout hunting, my, my buddy Tim and I bought a layout boat. It was pretty, I might've still been at Ducks Unlimited. If I wasn't, it was, you know, it was right after I left, but we went in, we bought a used Mighty Layout Boys as a single man boat. And I mean, we had done a, a ton of, you know, a ton of diver hunting, setting up on points and things. But I mean, you don't have to hunt divers for long to look out there in the open water and be like, man, if I could be out there, uh, things would change, you know, because divers learn pretty quickly to avoid, you know, points and islands and and really what I found is anywhere where they're flying and they can see the bottom, you know, Kentucky Lake's really clear. And so you almost need to have any success on on divers at all, you really need to be hunting water that is at minimum, you know, waist deep. And sometimes that's hard to find on, you know, hunting the points and things. And so we got the layout boat and um, you know read articles and things and and started you know rigging long line decoys basically like catfish trot lines and um, you know and started just really through trial and error um, you know and some of the some of the biggest error was learning how to tow the layout boat out there behind our you know <laughs> behind our War eagle duck boats you know without capsizing the thing and um, but man like getting out there with a you know stepping off into that layout boat on the you know on the edge of a secondary Creek Channel or whatever and being a hundred yards from any shore mm-hmm. um and anchored in fifteen feet of water uh and having that wind blowing and your buddy leaves you you know in the big boat and you're out there, you know, basically you know, left adrift. You know, I mean you're anchored out, but you've got the decoys, you're you're in the decoy spread. And having, you know, a, a flight of canvas backs or bluebills or golden eyes or whatever it is, um, you know, they they commit so so completely you know to a layout spread it's not the you know it's not the the picking up and skirting the spread at 40 yards i mean it's it's you're raising up to shoot them at you know 10 feet yeah. and i mean really just looking at every detail on a drake i mean it's just uh there's nothing like it in duck hunting as far as i'm concerned
1: no and you can you can see their eyes yep. you know that's yep. and and that's that mighty layout boat that's the same one that i borrowed right Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. I was gonna say Sorry. I drove up to Kentucky and borrowed this boat and actually hunted, and I know I told you about it, hunted the big oxbows off the Mississippi River mm-hmm. in this thing, and it was fantastic. Like, but the funny part about it is, you know, the guys down here, they had no idea what we were doing. Like, they were confused as to, like, there were other hunters on the lake. I think there are even fishermen out there. Mm-hmm. But it's January. We're in Mississippi. You know, one of the big oxbows off of the Mississippi River right there. It's are looking
3: down our nose thinking you're obviously a bunch of Yankees. That's exactly <laughs>
1: right. And we had, I had, uh, and the, oh, nobody would go with me. I had, a you know, my boat, I had a 20-foot. Sea Arc Center console You know It's more than capable of Big water But I could not get anybody Everyone's like No I'm not going to Shoot divers off of Moon Lake Is where I was in Mississippi And uh, (laughs) I convinced There were two guys Who were interning In conservation Uh, One of them Actually is now The senior policy director For Delta Waterfowl uh, Cyrus Baird I convinced them To go I think they only went Because they didn't have Any other option They're just like Yeah we'll go And we ended up Going down there And we hammered Bluebills Redheads. i think we shot a bunch of green wings too yeah um, but we would take turns i'd you know i'd basically one guy in the tender boat going back and forth i mean you'd get in that thing and you're done like you had your ducks in like 10 minutes like yep. it was unbelievable yep. and like for people who've never done layout boat style hunting people always ask like oh you know what's it like and i'm like i try to think about it you know like you had described you know you're Out there You're alone You know The water's Lapping up against The side of the boat You're half wet Wind um, You know You're in 20-30 feet of water Maybe You know And and I always tell people Like that style of hunting Is It's personal Yeah And I don't know If that's a good way To describe it um, But I always feel like like you said, they're landing five feet from you. And you you get to yeah. look at every detail of that duck. And so it's it's very it's almost like deer hunting. And you're you're a much bigger yeah. deer hunter than I am. I, I grew up deer hunting, but it's the same thing. Like you're by yourself. You know, it it's just you. Like when you go to shoot. There's nobody backing you up. There's no, you know, like if you shoot three times and miss, like there's no one there to help you out. <laughs> you know, it's like that's nope. it. <laughs> so it, I just find it it's super interesting that that you got into that, especially on Kentucky Lake. But I I just don't. Do you other other people that are doing that, or did you ever see anyone else doing that?
3: You know, we never saw anybody else doing that. I, I think there've been people who dabbled in it uh here and there i mean obviously it's a big lake you know mm-hmm. you can't you can't see what everybody else is doing but i mean for the most part i mean the the hunting done on kentucky lake is still your you know more your typical southern style you know yeah and, um a lot of a lot of boat blinds and things like that and and you know doing what we used to do you know pulling up on islands and things and mm-hmm. um you know and it's uh it, it's so you know the layout hunting is so labor and equipment intensive yeah um you know the the new can wear off of it pretty quick on days when the ducks aren't flying you know what i mean oh, um, yeah. i mean you can you can have your days where you're sitting in a layout boat you know watching you know watching the open water uh and then you've got nobody to talk to and they'll no call <laughs> yeah. <drink>, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so like you know the very worst days of duck hunting minus all the camaraderie and fun that goes with it <laughs> yeah. uh, That you know that, that's kind of how it, you know how it ends up but um but yeah, I mean, it's, um, man, when it works, it's something. I mean, it, oh, I, yeah. I, one of the things that always struck me about it, you know, the first time I was in it, I think I you know had some bluebills just come ripping in and I raise up and just, you know, just whiff on them at 10 yards and, you know, and I'm like, man, you know, and like you say, you're looking around to see if anybody's laughing at you, you know, because yep. I mean, you realize how close those ducks were and how easy that shot should have been, but it's, it's kind of like, it's a lot like shooting out of a, you know, out of a layout blind in the field and that, uh, you know, it, it really forces you to focus on your mechanics, you know, of shotgun mount and, you know, you got to just sit up before you shoot and, and all of that. But one of the cool things about the layout boat is those ducks are so fully committed that most of the time you can, you can raise up and shoulder your gun and I mean, really take your time and they never even... It's almost like they never even check up, you know. They don't flare. Um, it's it's like them. It's it's like at that point they're expecting movement in the spread. I, I don't know, but um, but it is something you know unique to that style of hunting that I've that I've learned. I mean, they're just uh, you know you can really be pretty deliberate, and you know, as in most things, duck shooting that you know that that's that's ultimately what you know what makes you successful. But you can be even more so. It seems like in a, in a layout boat.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's just it's something that's so unique. That for anyone who's not done it, I would recommend it. But you mentioned it can go bad pretty quick. As far as if the ducks aren't working and you're out there, it's like you said, it's labor intensive, it's gear intensive. Um, you're you're dedicating a lot of time and effort to it, and when it doesn't work out, it sucks. <laughs> There's no really other no other way to say it. Oh man, like you know, I remember one morning
3: I had a uh, one of my editors at Field and Stream. I you know I was on staff at Field and Stream at the time and um but but working remotely from Kentucky still and he came down to hunt with me and it it should have been just a perfect morning it was blistering cold it was windy I mean everything should have been and it was just one of those days we, we just couldn't get anything to work right and man I um it was in the tender boat, and I don't remember what I was trying to do. I think I was trying to like adjust a long line and ended up wrapping one of the long lines up in the prop of my mm. outboard. And I mean, just sucking all these decoys up in there. <laughs> uh, and disaster. I'm out there like hanging over the back of the boat, you know, trying to unwrap these things. And you know, oh God. ice water, cussing. And, you, just, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I can remember my editor saying, man, I it's good to see our hunting editor out there in his elements. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Being a pro. Yeah. You know, yep, yep. know exactly so, what you're doing.
3: Anyway. Yep. Yep. That's that sort of stuff happens to everyone. Um, but it, it happens a lot, you know, in layout, hunting, you know, and, uh, you know, and those are the type things too, obviously in that open water like that, uh, that's, that's how a situation can turn dangerous.
1: Yeah. Thing. We'll kind of shift gears here a little bit. And cause we're kind of pushing on time, but, You know, for all the, you know, like you mentioned, the dangers of it, what you're doing, I have these conversations a lot, and you and I are both in the same boat as far as we both have kids who are right there in the mix, like trying to either get them involved in this or having them with us. I know you, your son, Ants, hunts with you a lot, big deer hunter, and my daughter, Charlie, she likes to get out, get after it. Um, How does that, having your kid with you? How does that kind of change your mindset on all of this? You know, like everything that you're doing, whether it's fishing, hunting, whatever, but, you know, for me, it definitely changes the whole game. You know, I'm not going out there and, you know, really getting after it as much as I am trying to get her in a position to succeed. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the, is that kind of how you approach this as well?
3: You know, my, my wife, Michelle and I, I mean, she's a, she's a huge, Hunter and outdoors person. And I mean, uh, through all those formative years, you know, when we were living in Memphis and, you know, when I was really hitting the, you know, the layout hunting hard on Kentucky, I mean, she was out there with me a lot. And so she has seen firsthand all of the things, you know, and and really enjoys it. And so when, when Ants was born, um, you know, and really as soon as he got old enough to walk, it was just really. No question, you know, between us, we were going to continue living our life the way that we had always lived it and do the things that we always enjoyed. And, you know, maybe there'll come a time when Ants is older that he decides he doesn't want to hunt and fish and doesn't like it. Uh, But right now, he's not going to have the option because he's just going (laughs) to go. (laughs)
1: Um,
3: And so we have just always taken him to do everything. Mm -hmm. You know, even when he was way too little to shoot, you know, we take him out turkey hunting and we had a little camo sleeping bag, you know, we stuff him in that sleeping bag and, <laughs> you know, I'd set him between my knees, and call up a turkey and shoot with him sitting between my knees, you know. And so we just always took him along to do everything. And I think because of that, uh, that's just become the expectation. Yeah. Um, it's very, very rare that we go do really anything, uh, and, and leave him behind. Um, and I've taken him on some you know, I mean he's he's traveled a bit to <laughs> to hunt big game in a lot of places and, and always goes with me and uh, you know, and he's he's shot a lot of deer and turkeys and stuff. But one of the things that, you know, pretty quickly when we realized his how how passionate he was about things, I mean, Michelle and I just sort of discussed it and said, you know, hey, look, uh he's too little to go duck hunting on Kentucky Lake the yeah. way that we like to do it. Um and, you know, and I <laughs> I would probably push the issue a little bit more, but I mean, Michelle, having seen it and having you know seen headlines every year of hunters drowning and boats capsizing and things, she has been firm that he's just not going to do that. Yeah. Um. Not not until he's older. Yeah. And uh, not until he's able to get the boat out of a bad situation or whatever you know needs to be done. Uh, um. And and I I respect that. Yeah. And so because of that. I, I haven't quit hunting, you know, divers, but I have, you know, I, I've kind of taken a pause on it because, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of other things that we're really interested in in the winter time. We run a trap line and, you know, do late season deer hunting and squirrel hunting and there's a lot of other stuff that we can do. And, uh, and so, yeah, for the last couple of years I have kind of put a pause on my big water duck hunting, mm-hmm. you know, just because I, you know, I hate to leave my kid at home honestly and, yeah. and he's just not ready to, to get out there and do that with me. It's It's too dangerous, but I did, we, uh, we've got a, a deer lease in Texas that uh, it's it's in central Texas. And there's a lot of like, you know, kind of like you get in that area, you know, that there's a lot of stock tanks on this yeah. lease. And, you know, if folks listening have done much waterfowl hunting in Texas. You know, like those stock tanks can get a lot of ducks on them. And uh, we did do some jump shooting on them last year and, and shot a lot of birds. And we set up and did a little decoy hunt one morning and decoyed in some gadwalls. And he got to see that and he was really fascinated by it he's fascinated by the birds and and uh you know and i mean ants is um you know he he loves to loves to shoot and all that but i would say more than anything like he's into the critters um he he wants to know about the wildlife and like he is in awe of how impressive a mallard drake looks you know he's Mm -hmm. just like man like why do they have these curly feathers on their butts i'm like i don't know but it's cool you know (laughs) so i mean he um you know, and so I mean he was really into it. And I mean, obviously he's then asking a lot of questions about, you know, the diving ducks that we have mounted on the wall at home. You know, where did what is you know, where did you kill that golden hour to kill that canvas back, or to kill that scoter, you know? And so and, you know, yeah, they'll there'll come a time, uh, hopefully where I introduce him to that. But, you know, right now we're still just uh, you know, just a little bit. A little bit young and a little bit small, but uh, that'll that'll change soon enough.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say you're not too far. I mean, he's gonna be ready to go here probably in three or four years for something like that. But yeah, you know what's what's interesting is is we have these same conversations. My wife and I, and uh, you know like when I'm taking Charlie to duck camp or whatever. It's not really. The conversations are not always, you know, you think like you, you mentioned, you know, Ants is too young to go out in the layout boat and, you know, he couldn't drive the tender boat by himself, you know, but also uh-huh. kind of the conversations that we have, which I think is really good um, for kids is like, what if something happens to you? And like, Mm -hmm. so you kind of broach these conversations with kids and nine, 10 years old. I mean, they're, they're young, but like, Hey, if something happens to me, here's what you do, Yep, you know? So you have those conversations and I think that all of that just kind of pays dividends As they get older, you know, they're a little more prepared, I I don't know, like maybe than some other kids, but, you know, we have those conversations of it's just me and her at duck camp and we're in a pit and something were to happen, like, here's here's what you have to do. I mean, do do you have those conversations with ants and, you know, and your wife probably before you guys go on these trips? Because I know you, like you mentioned, you travel around, you're going to Texas to deer hunt, you're going, you know, all over the place. I'm, I'm assuming that you're probably having these same conversations.
3: We absolutely do. You know, um... I, this is a, you know, another topic, but like I think, um, you know, smartphones and social media are causing the collapse of society, uh, especially (laughs) in the hands of kids. But, um, Ants had, you know, he has uh, a cell phone of his own. Now it is internet disabled. You know, he can't get on social media. He can't even get on the internet with it. He can take pictures. And he can make phone calls and he knows how to do that. He has emergency contacts mm-hmm. and we have those conversations all the time, you know, when we're out hunting, I'll just stop him and say, Hey, which way is the truck? Um, you know, and kind of put him on the spot and make him tell me, you know, and ask him, did you bring a flashlight? Did you bring your pocket knife? You know, did you bring something besides your, you know, your, uh, your Nintendo <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a responsibility uh, as a parent, if you're going to teach him to do all this all this fun stuff outside, you do also have to, you know, there is some responsibility, I think, to make them, um, you know, prepared for for the worst that you hope never happens. But, uh, you know, sometimes in the, you know, in the things that we enjoy, you know, the odds are a little higher of something happening out there than they are, you know, at a trip to the, you know, to Walmart or whatever. You know, so, uh, and and especially if you start talking about big water duck hunting and boats and and Mm -hmm. bad weather and things, um, you know, I mean, I've hunted – I've hunted all over the world and and hunted, you know, bears. And I I don't think there's anything that I've ever done anywhere that I think is more consistently dangerous than big water duck hunting. And I, you know, and I think most of your big water duck hunters would probably agree. And so, you know, uh, if I'm, going to get to the point where I'm going to take my, you know, take my kid out there. I want him to be big enough to respond to a situation if it were to come up,
1: you know. Absolutely. Before I get you out of here and you know, you mentioned something that really jumped out to me right there where you mentioned you you have traveled and hunted all over the world. And and I always like to ask people, um, you know, I had Eddie Nickens on here and it's kind of the same question. You know, what you guys do, you do get the opportunity to travel around and hunt a lot of really, really cool places. Um, and I asked Eddie the same question, but like, what, was, what would be, if you were to explain to someone, like what would be the best waterfowl hunt that you'd ever been on?
3: One of the best ones I've ever been on was actually an early season teal hunt. Here on Kentucky Lake, uh, really? with hmm. some of my really close buddies from uh, you know from from college, um, we had been out and the, and again this was back when the grass was was thick. We had been out scouting these teal day after day after day, and I mean they was just you know the conditions were perfect, and we got out there on opening morning. We got out there like three o'clock in the morning to hold this spot and had other hunters trying to come in and it was the whole public land thing we're shining our lights and letting them know that we were there and man it got daylight and uh we, we actually did have two other guys come in that we knew and we welcomed them in they came and hunted with us and so we ended up a party of six and um it got daylight and everybody shot their four teal in under 30 minutes uh it was insane and i mean they were just Landing in the decoys as we were picking up birds, you know, it was just one of those. And I I mean, obviously the hunting was fantastic, but just thinking about the company and, you know, um, that, you know, like I say, it was, it was my buddies and, and we were young and it was public land, you know, and it was right here close. And, um, I don't know, that's a, that's a tough one to top. I, I still, still think
1: about that hunt. No, that's a good one. And I think that, that, that's really interesting and something that I talk about all the time is that most of duck hunting is the people you're with if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like even when it sucks, as long as the people that you're with, you know, fun, good times, you even a bad hunt can, can be, you know, a great time. So, and I think that yeah kind of plays into it. You know, like I said, you've, you've hunted all over the world yet. Your most memorable favorite hunt is probably with people who are close to you and, and at an area where, you know, you're, you're familiar with and you know everything worked out so that's interesting Uh, that's a good answer not that i was judging your answer on that but uh Well, we'll, if you were, you were, you were doing a good job
3: hiding
0: it.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Will, we're going to get you out of here. We're up against it on time. This has been fantastic. And I think, you know, maybe as we go into the fall a little further, um, hopefully we can get you over to Arkansas, come to my place, you enhance, come hunt. Um, that'd be fantastic. We'll, uh, especially if you're traveling to Texas, you're going to be driving right past us. So uh, we'll definitely have to do that. And we'll get you back on the podcast and we'll see uh, how your season shaped up from deer season to duck season to squirrels. Everything you got going on, we'll uh, we'll have to check in with you for sure.
3: Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Had fun. All right, man.
1: Take care. I'd like to thank my guest, Will Brantley, the hunting editor of Field and Stream, for joining us today, talking a little bit of diving ducks on Kentucky Lake, hunting with kids, and just overall great conversation. I'd like to thank Chris Isaac for putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on DU Podcast and supporting wetlands conservation.
0: Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina ProPlan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina ProPlan, always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit ducks.org slash podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks.